girls of every age. Would you like to see something strange? Oh, it's Halloween. I don't care that it's only October 3rd. I'm wearing my check or treat yourself shirt. I'm putting the decorations up today. I love Halloween. Yeah, it is Halloween 4th after all. Don't be mean. I'm not being mean. I actually do like this season as well, too. I, fall is my favorite season of the year. You'd be more enthused if we were doing this at night. Probably. <laughs> early morning podcast with early morning enthusiasm. Yeah, just waking up, getting the crusties out of our eyes. <laughs> uh, you know, like, mm, yeah, this, this is, was really good, you know. Instead of like, oh my God, guys, this is amazing. We just came from the movie theater, you know. Uh, yeah, it's it's a little hard to be enthused. You know, I haven't. Don't talk to me. I haven't my, had my coffee yet. Aaron, if we don't stay enthused, we win. Uh, we lose the war on Christmas, and more, Christmas comes at September next year. Yeah, more like the war on Thanksgiving. For more information on that, check out our podcast last year. <laughs> I really do enjoy it when we get very self-referential. And only certain people can really understand our brand of comedy. That limiting audience is really, really good. We start as broad as possible, and then we get narrower and narrower and narrower. And I see even that's a reference. And if people don't know that, they won't get the joke. Who who cannot smile on a jet ski? <laughs> well, you, you know, you see the silver frames, and you're like, oh, I have to get those. Thank you, Daniel, for almost fucked a pterodactyl. Oh, so early with the crass language in She's today Elizabeth. in the day and in the podcast no you can't start it now it's over we have to have a different joke now come on yeah we need a different joke we need a different joke give me a give me a halloween joke uh how do you make a hanky dance that is not a halloween joke you put a little boogie in it oh sorry um please don't make me say the only one that i know Okay, go ahead. No, uh, what's a ghost's favorite meal? I actually don't know this one. Buschetti. That was terrible. See, they told you not to make me say my only joke. Wow. I was going to say, why didn't the skeleton cross the road? Why? He didn't have the gut. Gah! He, she's <laughs> Elizabeth. <laughs> He's Aaron. And, and we're, we're married, married to the, the idea. idea. Wow, that was, that was a bad uh, beginning. But uh, you know what's not bad? Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea. And I promise you, it won't be as hard to listen to as that opening. Today, we're talking about... Uh, do you want to do the plug party real quick? Oh, the plug party. Oh, be still your hearts. Wait just a moment. You can follow us on Facebook at Marriage to the Idea. I'm not even going to say our Twitter handle anymore. You can <laughs> go to our website, marriedtotheidea.weebly.com for links and ways to email and message us your ideas, comments, or opinions. And as always, we appreciate a review on iTunes. We are also available on SoundCloud, which I hear is going to war with Spotify. And I really don't want to lose our hosting site because that means I have to figure out a whole brand new way to do an 
RS feed and I just I just I know that's gonna hurt I can tell it hurts just from the description I, I really hope so too because I like both programs and I don't want to have to choose one or the other because I look listen for one for podcasts and I listen for one for almost everything else pretty much yeah you don't listen to you don't go to spotify listen to a podcast i know i can but i don't go to spotify for podcasts they'd have to crazy rebrand themselves it makes no sense right now anyways what are we talking about today elizabeth we are talking about the 2018 movie adaptation a house with a clock in its walls that that title always gets me. I feel like it could be simplified, or could it be could it be could have been made better. Well, I do like that they kept the title from the original book, oh. which came out in the seventies, I believe. Really? Yeah. See, I had to do some research on this one. Uh, normally, I am very up to date with the adaptation, you know, because I usually read the books first when I'm a kid. And then say, oh, it turned into a movie that's either A, good, B, the end of all creation. But the first one came out in 1973. The House of the Clock and Walls is actually the first in a series of 12 books about Louis Barnevelt, our main character. So this is a, a huge series. The books were illustrated by Edward Gorey. You might know Edward Gorey. His drawings are usually pen and ink with tall, sinister figures. He does very depressing, sad things for children. You definitely should check out his work if you haven't seen it before. Am I thinking... I'm I'm thinking wrong. He didn't do The Addams Family. No. But you have an idea of a similar sort of style. Small child in big, scary world before video games made that popular. Is he the one... The A is for Adam, who fell into the lake and b is for belinda who fell onto a rake or something like that exactly he did that Mm -hmm. oh those are so creepy (laughs) perfect time to talk about it too so yeah aaron was so certain we couldn't do this for our first halloween episode it's not halloweeny enough oh i was so wrong i was so wrong i was wrong too you didn't tell me this was directed by eli roth i realized it after i saw a video on facebook where they <laughs> they pranked one of the main characters main cast uh, jack black by putting a goat in his trailer is that a prank or a misdemeanor? I don't know. <laughs> Apparently, Jack Black's a little bit afraid of goats. I'm afraid of goats, too. Have you seen their eyes? They're creepy. Oh, the the uh, horizontal slits instead? Yeah, it's weird to see on an animal like that because traditionally you have sideways pupils for a grazing animal. But uh, I learned a lot of stuff working with horses about goats also. Me. But those are not here nor there to today's discussion but it was so strange to see now that i know a horror director make a scary movie for kids i know there was some interesting concepts kind of secretly woven into this movie i feel like eli roth was like i want to direct something different and he definitely took a step out of his normal bounds the fact that he is even directing a kid's movie at all is amazing because he's known for some very, very gory and intense movies. 
He directed uh, Cabin Fever, Hostel, Hostel Part 2. But yeah, this is definitely a step in a completely different direction for him. But it's not necessarily a bad step either. But yeah, it's not his typical work. But it's not bad either. It's it's very strange. You can tell there are horror elements that are thrown in. There's some weird uh, body horror stuff that gets into play stuff that definitely you can't take your three-year-old to see yeah we thought about bringing our nephew and then afterwards we're like we're really glad we didn't bring him no no not for it's him. not like gory it's not like super intense you can bring say you're like a seven or your eight-year-old but it's not something i'm bringing young kids to it's not like that it's definitely a horror movie because it's got horror movie tropes. It has the room full of the scary ventriloquist dummies. Yeah. It's got some jump scares. Like even uh, my youngest brother jumped every time there was a jump scare. And no, he's I... pretty hardened to the ways of the world. I like to think so it was funny to see him react and spill his popcorn a little bit. <laughs> I see. I didn't. I guess I was. Uh, I'm been so unaffected, or I can recognize them so easy. I didn't even realize that there were jump scares, and it's like, oh god, I've seen so many horror movies. Like literally, I didn't even notice there were jump scares this time. <laughs> well, I really enjoyed the chemistry that our two adult leads have. Thank you. I was gonna bring that up too. Uh, Jack Black and Kate Blanchett just—they work off each other really well because. I'm not sure how close they are to the characters in the book. We can talk a little bit about that. I did a little bit of research, but having not read it, I don't want to put too much stock in my opinion on that. But we have Jack Black, who is this eccentric bumbler who is a warlock, a nice warlock, but not a good warlock. But then we have his friend, next-door neighbor, who's played by Kate Blanchett, and she is a really powerful, good, nice witch. And she's very reserved and stoic and biting. She made me think of Mary Poppins a lot. Just doesn't sugarcoat it, but it's very, but it's nice. And then um, Jack Black is, you know, more of that bumbling buffoon trying to figure out how to make his magic work. And they play off each other so beautifully. Their interactions, they remind me of like Statler and Waldorf just throwing shit at each other and, or a, Burn Ernie, they're a really good comedic duo. Yeah, they're they're not like they have to be nice to each other the whole time. They throw barbs at each other. It's they actually that's part of their relationship. That's actually a very deep part of their relationship. Um, kind of reminds me of um, Roz and uh, Niles from Frasier, where like if they didn't do it, they wouldn't be as close. Exactly, and they do have a fun part in the beginning where. <laughs> The kid, Lewis, is just giving her eye. She's like, I know what you're thinking, but my relationship with your uncle is not like that. Amy, it's not kissy face. No, it's platonic. And it's and I'm, I'm glad that that was there. And I'm glad they didn't like hint at, oh, maybe it will be that way. No, I'm, I'm glad. They work better like, as friends. Yes, exactly. They, they're like, let's let's establish this now. Let's get this out of the way. We're not going to go this route. It's okay that Kate Blanchett and Jack Black don't have to end up together. Besides, that would be just a little strange anyways. But let's let's just get this out of the way. Uh, I think this is the year of Kate. Well, Thor Ragnarok didn't come out this year, but every movie that I have seen her in, I like her more and more. I like her for the variety of characters that she's been playing. I liked her as Hela. 
you don't get much depth with a character like Hela from Thor Ragnarok. She's not like as compelling as Killmonger or something, but it was Kate Blanchett that made that role delicious and interesting and enticing. And here she's allowed to have just a great deal of uh, pathos. She has the arc more than anyone else in the movie. She has this problem with her magic right now. She's afraid to use it. It's been messing up when she tries it. We learn uh, a lot about her and her relationship both with her friend and uh, with Lewis and her past and what happened to her family and what makes her the way she is and how she comes into her own again. Just all these really great and wonderful developments for her. And we're going to try to stay fairly spoiler free um, because the movie did just come out. You know, I... Okay, then I will say then before we get too far, the ending does deviate from the book. Okay, we'll we'll t- I guess we'll get into a little bit of spoiler territory near the end. So because I do want to talk about one thing with that, I because I do want to get a little spoilerific. So I I do I I have to disagree with you just a little bit. I think all three characters because it's almost a, a a triad of story arcs. The Lewis character definitely is the main character, and he has his own story arc. Um, you know, he's a kid. He wants to fit in. He figures out, oh, I just have to fit in my own way. I think they're all three of them have a story arc. It's just it's different levels. I think Lewis, is, because he's the main character, has the biggest one, and then the other two definitely have them. I think they do take time to develop all three characters. And- oh, yeah. I think it's just that I feel Cape Blanchett's more just because the themes of parenthood and worry and fear are much more interesting to me at this point in my life as opposed to I'm young and I'm in a new town and I don't fit in and my uncle's weird yeah but I've grown cynical is what I'm saying he he has that kind of mentality but only for a little bit like he not even at the beginning he has it in the middle which is a little strange there were some strange thought processes in these in this movie that didn't fit in it was like a square peg and around or it wasn't even a square peg it was like the hexagonal peg it fit it was a simon peg in a round hole boo no that was the best joke i've ever made no it wasn't you've made much better jokes than that <laughs> i have been on the receiving end of some of the, some of your better jokes it was like a it, was, it fit but just not right are you talking about the clearly made for kids movie editions? Well, yeah, we'll get into those. I mean, we can get into them now if you want. Yeah, why does every kids movie have to have poop jokes? I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. I Body hate them. humor can be funny. Um, Wreck It Ralph kind of worked with it in a different way. They made poop jokes without actually making poop jokes. They made poop joke oh they would joke about his body odor they would make jokes all the time but they didn't actually show someone defecating which i appreciate yeah they were like actually doing the better the the reverse of show don't tell they were telling not showing which in this instance was better it was more like comedians riffing as opposed to gallagher smashing a watermelon exactly that that's a great way to put it uh this movie however like it was it was almost like Disney-fied or... Uh, no, um, Disney never had shitting things. What's the uh, production company? Cause DreamWorks that, is what you're thinking of. 
because Shrek is based around bodily functions. Yeah, DreamWorks. DreamWorks, I feel like DreamWorks gets their hands and they're like, okay, we have this great concept. This kid wants has to move in with his uncle, has to learn magic, and it takes place in the 1950s. And you have Kate Blanchett and Jack Black. Two good actors, one or sorry, you have one good actor who can really test his mettle in this, and one amazing actress who can definitely bring a lot to this role. Okay, you also have this kid actor who actually did a really good job, and you have Eli Roth who is trying his best and is stepping out of stepping out of the norm. Okay, put in more poop jokes. Why does it have to? Why did the topiary? And that could even have been fun if they hadn't been like explosive mulch diarrhea every single time. It could have been like he was just leaving. Or show it off the screen or something like that. Like yeah, like he 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 walks away from where he went, and you think, oh god, but it's actually like he's fertilizing the yard. Like it was actually useful in some way, as opposed to just I'm an undisciplined animal. Like I have to go walk the cat or something like that. Yeah. I have to go walk the topiary. Like what? Why? And then it's like, then it shows, then it shows it a second later of him like sweeping up leaves. And he's yes. Like, I had to fertilize the yard. Like he fertilized the yard. That it would like, have been great. It's, it's so much, there's better ways to show that instead of just him bending over and it shoots out. And it's like, I don't know if it's because of Eli Roth or the writing, or what? There's, There would have been better ways to have shown that. Like, even... Um, I don't mind even the pumpkins throwing up because they were trying to trap them. That yeah, was, that... And that, that's more body horror. That's more like... Ugh. Yeah, that was that was a touch of Eli Roth. And then, like, getting on his face, like... Eh, it, that wasn't terrible, but it wasn't unneeded either because it worked, but it, like... Eh. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't. We would audibly sigh... And put our heads yeah. in our hands. And, you know, to be fair, there were kids in the theater and no kid laughed at the poop joke. Yeah, so like, stop we, doing it. And it wasn't like it was Liz It was Liz and I by ourselves. We went with children or teenagers, rather. And there were children. <laughs> there was this one child who kept, like, talking. To, and it wasn't like... Like I like pumpkins too, and 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 I like candy. No, and he she, was trying to explain the plot, wasn't he? To someone no, who no, didn't. No, no, they were asked. He was asking about the plot. Oh, he sweet like, thing. So why is he making magic? Why he was curious, and I honestly, it was, it was, it was like, okay, you got to be quiet and ask questions later. We can discuss later. But it was, it was, just, it was adorable. <laughs> it was like. Later, later, later. And the the parents the parents tried their best. I it wasn't like I was about to go like, hey, this damn kid's getting on my nerve, on my last nerve. It was more like this poor kid <laughs> he just doesn't understand, or it's just it's not comprehending. So, but the effect that they wanted with this damn body humor was not happening. No. But there were things that I saw that Eli Roth did that kind of worked. That he kind of pulled from his his hostel, his grindhouse days. How so? Do you remember the shot that he uh, did? The, this weird shot that held on for a really long time that actually ended up working for as long as he held it? The funny one? Not that one. Yes, that <laughs> one, but not that one. The one um, I'm talking about specifically is the first time that they show the boys picking, trying to pick for the teams. Yes. Yeah, Okay, so there's a shot. And, of course, it's between him and this kid with rickets who has the giant arm bracers, like, in South Park. and Yeah, and so they're, like, finally, the kid the kid picks the, the kid with the arm bracers, 
He starts and walking. And he starts out. walking. And you would think, okay, that would be the end of the shot. No, Eli Roth holds the shot for an incredibly long time. And it works in a weird way. And I don't know if it's because of Eli Roth or what, but it worked. It it just it it, it made you uncomfortable and it showed you how uncomfortable Lewis was. So I was I had to give kudos on that part because it I'm, it had been something from his body horror days that he pulled from and that he kind of was like, let's try this. And it worked. Mm-hmm. But no, we, we could talk about that one scene, though. That was honestly, I think that was probably the biggest laugh out loud scene uh, that I can think of. Yeah, the humor in this when it's not just bottom of the barrel stuff, it's more fun when it's. Jack Black and Kate Blanchett working off each other and their counterparts. That's all fun. And then we have this really great, you know, the montage where he's learning magic and he's trying to harness his powers. Gotta do it in a montage. There's a couple funny scenes in there. He accidentally sets the sentient chair on fire and he is working on, uh, like, using acid and he falls asleep at the table while acid is just burning through the hole and his uncle comes in and just goes, aw, little scamp, tucks him into bed with his acid shard teddy bear, like all these fun things. He's trying to learn levitation and uh, he's looking at a pen on the table and it's twitching and he's like, oh, good, good. And in the background, not in focus, you just see Jack Black rise off the ground while he's trying to vacuum and he you know, starts twisting and shouting in the air for them and they're running around trying to figure out what book to read and what spells to use. And after a moment... He just stops struggling and just hangs there limply in the air. It's like any any time now. Just, I I got to get back to any time now. And we're all just frantically running around with books. That was a really good worth price of admission laugh out loud scene. That and that again, it was held for a long time. It it was. I don't think I don't know if it was one shot. I don't remember if it was edited or not. But it was a very funny, well put together scene. And it was well acted too because I felt like oh my god. And then you just see Jack like hey hey. <sighs> Come on, guys. It was it was well done. There's also the scene on his first day of school where he's just walking down the street by himself and he turns back and it's just it's just the two of them waving their hands really stiffly, smiling stiffly at the end of the street to him. And he's like, "Okay, bye. And walks to school. (laughs) Just really funny stuff like that. Let him be weird, which is basically the whole premise of the book. The moral of the story, if you will, if it's a kid's movie, it's got to have a moral. Uh, in this one, <laughs> it's about embracing your own brand of weirdness. And I like that our main character never becomes a badass. He is a scared little kid whose parents have just died. And he's trying to cope with this new house and this weird stuff. And he's scared of a lot of things. And he cries and is emotional. And... You know, usually you don't see characters suffer emotion in that way when they're small children uh, out of fear that it'll make the other kids be like, oh, no, I couldn't be this because he's brave. I need to be brave. I, He's not crying. I shouldn't cry. But in this one, he's allowed to be like breaks down when his uncle's like, why do you have this, you know, dumb old magic eight ball? He's like, it's the last thing my parents ever gave me. And it's like. Totally genuine for how real and uncomfortable it is because, of course, a kid would cry at that. And, of course, you'd be like, oh, oh, God, please stop. Please, please stop crying. I didn't mean to do it. And I think there's a trend going of more sensitive children, especially male children, being portrayed so that 
every kid has something to look into themselves on and that not every kid has to be the, oh, I learned to be a badass and kick pumpkin's ass and all that stuff. And I appreciate that. You know, this kid did a, did a lot and it, he grew up in a, he didn't like became a man. He, he grew up it throughout the course of this movie. So it was nice to see it. He, he embraced his, his style of magic as they said in the movie. So, and it was nice to see that. And it was like, you know, he embraced his brand of weird. Yeah, he starts using his dictionary skills to make a spell and the magic eight ball. Like, this is great. All these elements are coming together and <laughs> his garden's just looking at him. That's so weird. I know, right? Isn't it great? <laughs> and then um, we also learn about embracing your weirdness from the first kid who is nice to him, Tarby, is revealed to be... Um, oh, I don't know. Oh, you think so? All right. Aaron yeah. is signaling Sorry. to me ever so quietly that it is time for a before break. We jump, before we jump into that, we got to do our, uh, our reply. Because we can talk about the differences in the book, but you can also hear about the differences in the book by going to Audible. Because Audible is offering you, our listeners, a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a free title today and start listening. It's that easy. You just go to audible.com slash married to the idea to get started today. And of course, The House with a Clock in Its Walls by John Belairs is included in this. It is narrated by George Gildall, and uh, you actually will be able to find it very easy because Jack Black and Kate Blanchett, looking just fierce as ever, is on the cover. If you end up liking it, see um, about the rest of the book. Like we said, it's a 12-book series, so if you like what they're doing with the character of Lewis, keep listening. Pick a new one every month. Um, see if it's good to listen to with your kids on car trips or at night listen to a chapter if you... Like Aaron, sometimes tend to stumble over your words. <laughs> Hear what a professional, how a professional t- says. Yeah, we're all not it. professionals. How a professional makes words pretty. So to download those, just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash married to the idea for your free audiobook. Good job, babe. Yeah, um, I thought this kid, this Tarby kid, was actually going to be like, oh, this is going to be the friend, because he, he stands up for him a little bit, he kind of like gives him a hand up, he's like, you know, hey, maybe if you take off your goggles, you might get made fun of a little less. There's a just... nice backstory that he gets ignored by his friends on the team because his arm is broken, and so he's learning what it's like to be on the other side, and then... Unfortunately, he just becomes a jerk, and we find out from one of the other characters in the book who is very shy but sweet that he does this every year. He runs for student president, is nice to everyone because he wants their vote, and then as soon as he becomes president, he goes back to being mean. And most of the impetus for the, for the plot is Lewis trying to prove to Tarby that he's still worthy of being a friend, and he's like, well, look, I'll show you magic. I can do all sorts of things. And, of course, they go into the one cabinet they're not supposed to enter, look at the one book they're not supposed to look at. And that, again, it keeps leading more and more. I do like, I do like though, that it's not just that he's trying to impress his friend and that's why all hell breaks loose. I do like that he's being subtly manipulated. 
Yeah, there's um, there's a, a a further plot going on. The whole reason that the book is called the house with a clock in its walls. We can explain why it is that way. The house was formerly owned by a warlock and his wife, and when he died, he pl- uh, well, before he died, he placed a clock in the walls of the house, and the whole premise is figuring out what that clock does when it counts down so that's what they're all trying to figure out as it winds further and further down um here's where the book and the movie differ and i wish that we could talk spoilers because i am very interested into why they chose to do it this way we will get into spoilers in a few minutes um I, th- I think there was one other point that I wanted to talk about, and then we'll get into spoilers. Okay. Something that we kind of recently have been kind of testing out is we are trying to come up with a question for each podcast, w- like with the Star Trek one that we did with the Media Nuts. So, you know, today's question is just going to be real simple. Would you consider this a Halloween movie? Yes, it has pumpkins, but they explain in the movie that pumpkins ward off evil. That's why it comes around for All Hallows Eve because Halloween is supposed to be one of the one of the days of the year, the day of the year that spirits can come, return to Earth. Well, that depends, Aaron. Do you consider the Texas Chainsaw Massacre a Halloween movie? No, it's a, a horror movie, but I don't consider it a Halloween movie. All right. So then that's our magic middle ground. It has to be. It can be a horror movie and a scary movie, but to be considered a Halloween movie, it must also have elements of halloween which are a dark nature a scary house some sort of fun whimsy but darkness as well i mean so far this uh, this movie is checked off all of those i don't know if you're like you're you're leading the witness or what but you've checked off all three of those with this movie no i think this is a perfect start to the halloween season i think it's a halloween movie I don't think it, much like uh, other movies, they don't have to take place on Halloween to be a Halloween movie. That's true. I mean, like, the Addams Family movies have nothing to do with Halloween usually. Like, I think only one scene out of the two movies take place during Halloween. But those are quintessential Halloween movies because of the gothic nature of them. Would we consider uh, the Batman movies Halloween movies? Because one of them takes place on Halloween because trick-or-treaters come to the door. See, that's what I'm oh, saying. Oh, you're, you're talking about Batman and Robin. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's a scene out of it, though. That's what I'm saying. So, again, the, the literal taking time at Halloween doesn't necessarily a Halloween movie make. I think it has a lot, a lot more to do with the atmosphere and the nature of the story. And I think battling an evil wizard is a good Halloween plot. <laughs> And I, I would agree. The, the, the nature of the movie, the kind of the gothic, but the whimsy of it, too... Uh, the fact that a place takes in fall, the ha- the kind of the house theme. I think um, I would absolutely think this is a Halloween movie. Cool. We answered our own question. Well, that's the whole point of them. <laughs> that's the whole point of the questions is to answer them. Uh, okay. These are these questions that we just leave ambiguously in the air. Well, they can be. It's that's they sometimes we cannot answer them if we can't come up with an answer or, you know. If, like, we want to leave it up to you, the listeners, or, you know, it it could be, you know. <laughs> we don't have to shoehorn things. Horseshoe things? <laughs> she makes that joke because the horseshoes were in, involved in the movie. 
Yeah, they, during the montage, talk a lot about things that can protect against evil. A lit jack-o'-lantern, which Aaron would know from Trick or Treat, keeps evil forces at bay. And we have iron in horseshoes, so those are used a lot to ward against things. There are some fun effects here that are clearly CGI, but also very likable. The stained glass window is one that springs to mind. It changes what it is all the time. And then when they're trying to keep Lewis from not running away because he thinks that Uncle John's an axe murderer, uh, it actually like spells out words to him trying to get him to say. That's that was the that was another point that I wanted to bring up, and I'll bring it up real quick, and then we'll move on. the The subtleness of the beginning of the movie. They don't come out and say immediately, "Oh, Uncle John, the Jack Black character is a warlock, or he practices magic." There's, like there's something going on, but. You're not sure what. And, like, when he thinks that uh, Uncle John is a, um axe murderer, he has to, like, go through, like, this weird room with all the mannequins. And it's very creepy and very dark. And, like, the moon is out. And it's just, like, but the, you get all these weird shadows. And there, I don't know if you noticed, but um, he goes to reach for his doorknob to go into his bedroom. And it turns right before he touches it. Yep. I did notice that. I was wondering if you noticed that. Yeah, there's like little, there's little touches like that. And I don't I know, uh, I, I bet that's an Eli Roth thing, but there's little, little things like that. I wish they could have kept up the premise even longer, I think. And I wonder if it's just because we saw trailers and trailers tend to ruin things for us. Um, That or if they had to get, they had to get the plot moving. Mm-hmm. Which I was okay with them, you know, say, hey, no, I'm actually a warlock, which they did have to keep things, you know, hidden for longer, too. Are you okay with the lying to protect the kid trope that shows up once more? We we can't tell him what this wizard actually was. We can't tell him what he actually did. It's best that he doesn't know. Oh, I, you know, I'm not going to listen to you right now because I'm busy, even though you have important information for me. You know, the the classic kid trope. Kid tries to say something, hears something indirectly consequential to himself. He's like, oh, maybe I won't say it and keeps it in his head longer. You know, could they have taken away those and tried a different route? Possibly. I don't know if it was because of the book that pushed it this way or not, but it felt very tropish. Um, and I did feel like it kind of pulled against it a little bit. I think the realest part, I think I will do some spoilers now. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll go ahead and slap a spoiler warning on it right now. Okay. Some of the realest parts were after it is revealed that Lewis is the one who raised the evil wizard from the dead. And Jack Black gets understandably angry and even finally uses like the movie's first curse word without much aplomb or anything. Just what the hell were you thinking? And the kid's just freaking out. And then he just calms down because he realizes, yeah, this kid lost his parents. Of course, he's going to try and use this book to raise the dead to see if he could raise his parents back. And of course, he's just trying to impress his friends. I'm going to, I just send him away. I'm not a good guardian. And then him and Kate Blanchett go into another room and have just like the best conversation because it's her talking to him about how being a parent means being terrified every single moment of every single day and you're a coward because it is going to be that hard and you have to accept it and move forward with it crazy to see in a kid's movie i didn't think they were going to do that i thought they would just cut away and see what lewis was up to I'm like no they kept on that scene 
that was the important scene. That's why I was telling you that it's like, you know, yes, Lewis is the main character, but they develop all three of these characters. They take time with the Kate Blanchett, the Jack Black, and this Lewis character. They don't, they are not afraid to say, okay, yes, Lewis is his main character, but these other two characters are incredibly important. Uh, I will, I think I'll keep this one a little secret for those of you who do know, though. What did you think of the Monster Squad reveal for Mrs. Zimmerman? Sorry. <laughs> Aaron is overjoyed that, that I used was, that, that reference. Was, that was the best way of saying that. The absolute best way of saying that. And... I was wondering, like they kept, they kept like kind of dancing around it a little bit, and I'm like, "Where is they her family? I'm like, I'm like, yeah, what is her what? family? I'm like, what? And like right before they like they showed a picture, I'm like, okay, and I'm like, uh, oh, oh, it's subtle, and it's not knock you over the head. Um, they do play into it a little bit too much later on. I wish that I wish they didn't play into it too, as much as they did uh, later on. They do talk about how you know if she lets this happen, she could have her family back. But even then, she knows that she wouldn't. She knows they just probably wouldn't even exist in the first. Yeah. But there's something really cool about the ultimate goal of our villain, which is he suffered atrocities of war so great that he wanted to reverse time. So none of it ever happened. Not that just a little bit so he could save his friends. Like, none of it. I am so broken. Turn the entire world back to start. I don't want any of this to have ever existed. But his plan is flawed. Oh, His plan course. is super flawed. I don't mean like, oh, it's just like that, yeah, he's going to eradicate humanity and start fresh. He's going to eradicate humanity. He is then going to go back with his wife, who it's revealed that didn't die. Go back with his wife and start fresh. He still suffered those atrocities. Yeah. He still has those mentality of, yeah, I I saw the worst of humanity. You still have to live with that. Well, that's where the interesting divergence from the original book kicks in. In the book, Lewis actually raises his wife, who then comes back to the house to complete her husband's work. And he's a showdown with just her. Knowing that, what do you think about this change? Because I have the sneaking suspicion that they chose to bring him back because it would be perhaps more intimidating to face off against this dead necromancer as opposed to his wife. But they thought that a female villain wouldn't be nearly as compelling. Well, there's also the manipulation element. Because she wasn't useless either. She No, she wasn't. They do a very good job they're, they're partners yeah in this but it's troubling it is troubling why did they change it maybe because they got kyle Mc, uh, mclaughlin or whatever his last name is that is strange that is a strange train change that is probably the weirdest change that you could have made there's some... so so what happened to him in the original book did he die so they both died um now again i did not read the book just looking at some differences within the plot elements literally what happens is instead of going to raise isaac izzard uh him and tarby go to the cemetery on halloween but actually release selena from her tomb and then they have tons of encounters with her ghost as it builds to the final confrontation 
where he has to prevent her from finishing her husband's work. It's it's an interesting difference because by placing by having him be the one who was raised, you bring up the plot hole of even if you go back to the beginning of time, you have still seen all of this terrible stuff. If it's her doing it, we have her continuing her husband's work for him, knowing what he suffered, knowing that she has suffered and saying, I can't deal with any of this. This world, this, you know, my husband was taken from me, perhaps in the war. I don't want to suffer any of this. I'm going back to the beginning. Maybe even she didn't plan to save herself. The fact that they say they kind of shoehorn in that come up to the top of the tower, you'll be safe up there to watch the world turn back. That doesn't seem to be actually, it'd be much more interesting if it was, no, we're going to turn time back. Everything's going to cease to exist, including myself, but it's worth it to make sure that none of this ever happens. Yeah, because they're, you know, I can rebuild this world better. I can make it. I will destroy humanity and then rebuild it in my own image. It's it's a little trite. It's not the best plan. And then they made a deal with a demon and it, and that demon, like, that was some creepy ass shit. Oh, yeah, that definitely can't. Do not take your three-year-olds or your five-year-olds. Definitely look at the reviews on this one because they, even earlier on, they have a book a scrapbook from the wizard and it's showing all these different pictures of spells and skulls and demons and there's blood and teeth in the book and you see some of these demons eating people and then you actually meet one of them in the dark forest and they do not hold back like it's terrifying the makeup and effects they use on this thing it's mm -mm -mm -mm, yeah don't take your kids (laughs) well like speaking of makeup and effects i actually liked the makeup and uh the effects on the the corpse the corpse it reminded me of the scrooged oh yeah it reminded me of the crypt keeper when he talked Ah. dust flew out of his mouth and um we also have this this crazy body shifting body horror Uh, of his wife i didn't like that oh it, it freaked me out every time yeah luckily she only did it a few times but it was too many times i feel like it was an unnecessary change is it but, just because we had a big name actor for the villain? Like, oh, that'd be fun to play. Well, okay, well, so a big name, recognizable. I knew who that was when I saw it. I'm like, true. oh, okay, because there's some people you don't like. I have never seen that actress before. That doesn't mean that she's never been anything. I just hadn't seen her before. So just the, the idea of recognizability. Again, why? By having him be the one who comes back, they had to invent a plot where they thought that she had died, he had made a key of her bones, and then she had to go possess the neighbor across the street. So in the original book, did he kill her to make the key, uh, the the bone key? That would have been an interesting plot choice if they had gone with that. That would have been a cool twist. Perhaps could have seen some sort of redemptive arc or something if she didn't know that she had died at the hands of her husband trying to do this infernal device interesting all sorts of interesting things um but again i don't think that i think it's more about our character's growth we can hem and haw about why they changed the ending and why the villains are the way they are but i think it's much more about our heroes than it is about defeating the big bad it's more about the atmosphere and the setup and the dreaded ticking tick 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 I, and I feel like that was dreaded in, like, the first half of the movie. And then there's a certain point when they stop dreading it. Yeah. It just kind of, like, goes away. And then, then they dread the actual person itself. And I feel like it 
they could have kept dreading it. it they're they're like every time because at the very like beginning of the movie, a clock chimes in town, and like they're like they stop the movie, and Jack Black just like stares at it, and he just gives a real deep and like meaningful look at it. He's like, mm. and it's like it's real impressive, and then they never do anything else with it. They even adjust the sound. So every time it clocks, every time it dings, the the gong is trailing lower instead of higher. It's not ding. It's ding, ding, ding. Kind of like in Christmas Vacation when uh, the the doorbell is ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. It's like it very similar to that. Like the impending sense of doom, and like when uh, foreboding. <laughs> oh yeah, they just had a scene that's very foreboding, and then it cuts to him in his dictionary looking at the word foreboding. foreboding. Like, like if only it said foreshadowing, just something even more obtuse. It I, was on the nose, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was like it was so on the nose. It was it was perfect. It mm-hmm. was like makeup or like or it was it was supposed to be on the nose or something like that. You know what? I finally figured out why I like so much about their chemistry between Jack Black and um, Kate Blanchett. Tell me all about it. I want to hear it. It makes me think of Morticia and Gomez. The idea that, like, when in the movie, Raul Julia is very animated and crazy motion and loud voices and banging things. And then Morticia is very reserved and doesn't react. The scene that makes me think of that is the candy shop where Lewis figures out that they need to decode uh, using his Captain Midnight decoder ring from Ovaltine. And they're at the counter, and Jack Black's getting more and more animated, and he keeps pounding the table, and banana splits go big and small, and the gumballs explode. And Kate Blanchett doesn't react to the explosion, just turns to the man behind the counter and says, we'll take the gumballs. The same sort of dynamic. Do you not I, feel it, too? I actually, I really do. And I think you're right. I, <laughs> I think, yeah, this is almost kind of a quote-unquote modern-day Morticia and Gomez and I'm okay with that it's not Morticia and Gomez it's not they're well they do have a love but it's a love of friendship it's a a mutual respect I I yeah yeah good kudos well I think that's more to the idea of great storytelling and great character development to have two opposites play off each other but in a collaborative effort as opposed to He's messy and she's neat. Will they ever get along? It's like no, throw the whole, <laughs> throw away that whole thing. No, they they they're fine. They like each other. Let's just have their interesting personalities play off each other now. Yeah. So I think overall there are some really really great points, but there are some weak points. It could have been better and it could have been worse. Honestly, I think the best probably the best parts overall are the three main characters. There are definite things like you can see the line of where to cut in this movie. And if you chopped out maybe 15 minutes of unnecessary, mm, the movie would be even better. Than it would it be is. stronger. It stronger. wouldn't be it wouldn't be amazing, but it would be stronger. There are some weird edits, some weird jump edits, and we can blame the cutting room floor for that about how to splice scenes together properly. But the atmosphere is there, the characters and actors are there. And if you got rid of some of the kids' movie, quote-unquote, tropes, movie be better. Because there were things that kids were laughing at that aren't, like, more typical kids' movie tropes. Oh, they were laughing yeah. at all the zingers. 
Like, that was the fun part. They were laughing at the two of them barring, bar, sparring with each other. Like, that was the funny part. Not yeah. the, oh, the cat shit on someone. Oh, no. And there, there was a couple, like, little funny things in the credits, too. Like, right at the end, it's like, it was it reminded me of um, Inspector Gadget when they had, like, the the car come on and talk. It was, that, that one was stupid. This was a little bit cute. But it they had that, which is, again, it's a very kids movie trope thing. But then at the very end, uh, or in the credits, it says... Um, no armchairs or topiary griffins were harmed in the making of this movie. And then even later on, uh, the topiary uh, hairdresser chair. Uh, and then Chairs makeup artist. Topiary. Yeah. Just <laughs> cute little things like yeah, that. Having fun with it. Yeah. So. If, you're not, if, you're, if this is going to be your first not rated R movie, you may as well have some fun with it. Exactly. So... Overall, I would say a good foot forward for Eli Roth in a non-horror R-rated movie direction. And since there are 12 gosh darn books in this, and I know how Hollywood is like, series, series, universe, universe, if they decide to do a sequel to this... The Bel Air's Connected Universe. Yes, and they decide to do a second movie to this, we now have the origin story set up, done. I want to know more about the insect girl. I want to know more about these two characters and their um, becoming warlocks in the first place, what drew them to magic. I want to know more, like, you can, if you're going to do it again, and let's just hope that it's better than the other sequel we are going to be doing later this month. Hint, hint. (sighs) Hint. Aaron, do you want to... Tell the lovely people who sponsored our episode today I would in love case to. they missed it. <laughs> this episode again was sponsored by Audible. Be sure to hop on to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea. We recommend listening to a house with a clock in its walls and actually seeing for yourself. Do you think that the ending change was for better or for worse? Yeah. Um, go watch the movie and then listen to the book. Go listen to the book and then watch the movie. If you watch it in IMAX uh, for, I don't know, the next week or two, uh, you can actually see the... Full video of Michael Jackson's thriller before yeah. it. I asked the, the the theater person last night. She's like, I don't think we're doing that here. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> but I think you had it seen in IMAX is what the, the, the difference was. Oh, and I did like the subtle, like, classic Universal... Uh, uh, logo too at the beginning that was real cool and the amblin logo they yeah they went back old school and this movie does a good job of setting it in an olden time without being too specific about what olden time it is knowing that the books take place at least 30 years in the past at this point they did a very good job of i'm sorry did you say 30 years at least if not longer please don't say that 30 years ago was just the 90s because i'm already too old and i don't want to hear about it I mean, sweetheart, this is more like the 1950s, 1960s. Well, the books were written in the 70s. Yes, but... That's still 50 years ago. Please, I know how old I am. I don't need your reminders. (laughs) Aging so well, she's Elizabeth. Busting my balls, he's Aaron. And And we're we're married married to to the the idea. idea.